0: this morning we're going to get keep looking at the issues that we've been looking at which is what a spirit-filled life looks like and uh, we went into this passage starting really in verse 18 of chapter 5 and let's just start there and then we're because we're moving in chapter 6 into the family and uh, the family here is very important and so forth But it starts in verse 18, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, we didn't look at that part about being drunk with wine wherein is excess. Uh, We're looking at that actually in the men's fellowship and taking it a little deeper because of what Paul is really referencing there. He's not talking about don't go out and tie one on the tie a rag on the bush on Friday nights or Saturdays and then, you know, climb in the confessional booth on Sunday and confess it and go right back. He's not talking about that. Common sense tells you that. Don't do that. Rather, he's talking about the chaos of sin and the sin-cursed world and organized religion and all of that structure out there that brings in the the improper thinking that comes out of verse 15 and 16 and 17. The proper thinking and the proper having that, having a walking as wise. Verse 17, wherefore be ye not unwise. So we're going to walk wise. How? Understanding what the will of the Lord is. What does he want us to do? Verse 18, he doesn't want us to be a part of the wine system out there, the, the religious system, but rather be filled with the Spirit. And being filled with the Spirit corresponds to Colossians over there, the, the corresponding verse there in Colossians 3, verse 16, where he talks about let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word grip your life and let, your, let the word be what then moves you. And then Paul begins to illustrate it in those four institutions of creation. That when God created man, when he created the world, when he created, he created it and he put four pillars into it so that that you would have an orderly maintenance, an orderly function to society. Because that's really what he wants. God loves people. He created them. (laughs) He loves people. He died for him at Calvary, but he also then is doing something for him. So he begins there in verse 19, 20, and 21. And the first institution that he created was volition. He said, Here, you, Adam, make a choice. You have a choice, but you also are going to reap the consequence of the choice. You got all these trees here to eat, but if you eat of the one I'm going to tell you not to eat of, what's going to happen? You shall surely die. There's a consequence to it. And God, in doing that, put in front of man for the very first time the issue of choice. And he makes Adam make a choice. Now, Adam chose wrong. We understand that. But that institution. So for you to have a spirit-filled life, make the choice to allow the word of God to grip your heart. When that happens, verse 19, you'll have a melody in your heart to the Lord. Again, notice the verse says, speaking to yourselves in songs and hymns and spiritual songs and we talked about that and why music is so important and not just the ragtag band on you know again friday night and, and it used to it used to go to the country western bars i don't even know if they exist anymore with the way things have been in our society lately i know at applebee's the other day the bar was hopping so i know that was and that was because the sun's game was on so it was packed i'm like uh okay you know but anyway the thing is, is first the first realization of the Spirit-filled life for you is that melody in your heart, verse 19. Verse 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God. Having a thankful heart, a heart of gratitude, of, of being thankful. As, as, as a parent, we're going to be talking about parents here, as a mom, as a dad, you know, mom stands at the kitchen sink and does the dirty dishes. You ought to be thankful for the dirty dishes. Usually we wash them and put them in the dishwasher. I understand that. But you still have to handle them. So have an attitude of a thinking process of, hey, I appreciate having to do this. Why? Because there means there's a whole group of people that relied on me to do my job and to be a part of the cog in the wheel. In verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another, there's the servant's heart, That's submission heart. Once you have that and you're doing that, that's, that's you. Then the second institution is is marriage. And that's where husband and wife come together, where man and woman say, let's get married. So then he instructs the wives, and then he instructs the husbands. And he gets down all the way down to verse 33, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. The one thing marriage needs... You know, you don't need 25 things and actually the first five get you in trouble. You know, you understand that. You need one thing. You need verse 33. Wives need to be loved and husbands need to be reverenced. And we talked about that and the importance of that last time. We talked about the importance of your marriage as we move now in chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee and thou mayest live long on the earth. And now we're going into that third institution and its family. God told Adam in Genesis 1, he said, you're going to go out there and you're going to replenish and you're going to multiply. You're going to get married and you're going to go out and you're going to have kids and your kids are going to have kids and your kids are going to have kids. And you get this multi-level marketing idea down and you're going to go. And what's going to happen is as your kids, as you begin to Train your children and your kids see what marriage looks like and what family looks like, then they're going to teach because when he says there about in verse 4, that it may be well with thee, he's not talking about you living to 50 or 100 and never being sick. He's talking about in the social order and the social structure and the culture we live in that there will be, it will be stable and there will be godly generations, Our job is to produce as believers, as husbands and wives, as married, as a family, is to produce godly generations. When we get down into verse 4, probably next time we'll see the when it says bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. We'll go back into the Old Testament and Moses and Abraham there. And and the little boy asks Dad, he says, Dad, why do we go to the temple? And dad spends the rest of that chapter explaining to him why he goes to the temple. What's going on? Dad, why do we do this? Why? why? Because a child is going to learn. Your, our job is to train and it's to, and it's to get into them. So he says, verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Now, there are no children in here. They just all left and went next door. So I'm going to talk to you parents. Okay? And, and I'll be honest with you. I'm talking to all of us. Because as a, local, as a local church, we are a family. And even though you may not have direct parenting over my guys when they were little, you sure had an influence on them. Because they see things. How do children learn? Majority is by observation, by watching, by paying attention. And when you begin to talk and think about it as parents, children obey your parents' <laughs> That's an almost impossible task, isn't it, when you think about it. It's critically important, though, because of verse 2 and 3. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Paul quotes Exodus 20 there. When you think about this, That first commandment with promise. There's a promise here that's attached to the honor and the obedience. And again, that has nothing to do with you going to live a healthy and wealthy life. But it has to do with that issue of the godly generations and that life around you will be stable. And it starts in marriage. And it moves into the family. And in family, as the kids see mom and dad operate and function in their marriage, then as the kids begin to learn, they begin to learn in an atmosphere that's set correctly, if you will. It's in an atmosphere where the ch- child can learn to obey. To, think about obedience. That's living with what? Authority. Authority. Someone who is in charge. Because when you think about children obey, that causes a rift right there. As a parent, there's several things that you're involved in. And if you have been a parent or are a parent or, you know, I got an email from a lady. She's like, well, my kids will always be my kids. No kidding. They're your kids. So yes, in a way, but your relationship to them changes. But as you do that, the first thing you know as a parent is you're in a war. And you know that. It's a battle. And you're going to have a war to fight. Think about this. You've got this newborn baby. Jordan and Mandy aren't here. they got the little guy. they got another one on the way, by the way. And they sit there, and he's cute as a button, does this stuff and all this stuff. And you look at him, and you, and you know what? You, you just can't get enough of him. And he's not even mine. You know, he comes on Monday nights, and I'm, you know, you just can't. Hey, why? Because, and you understand it. You know there's never an ugly baby? Now, there's some ugly babies, but there's never an ugly baby, right? Okay? But you, you, you hold that newborn, don't you? And, and that newborn, and you just love on them, you can't get enough of them. And then there comes a moment where they transform and move into the savage, it's like, whoa, wait, I want the little dude again. Where did he go? They, they move into the selfishness. They move into, a, into bad behavior, and they fight you at every turn. And they try your patience to the limits. And then they break your heart when they make bad decisions. You know that? We've all been there. I think the worst thing you could ever do, mom and dad, is make out that your family is perfect. Because you put a status on your, you put a situation on your kids that they'll never live up to. And by the way, nor will you. I know, you're perfect. I, I got it. Yeah. Uh, his words, okay. Yeah. We. Uh, she knows better. <laughs> How can that little, beautiful baby, newborn, you know, hug on you, love on you, crawl up in your lap and sit there and just want to be, how can they turn into this savage, selfish? Well, there's some things in Scripture that kind of talk about that. Things that we know, we understand. The first, the first time they make a change in a child's life, is the terrible twos or threes, they call it. Now, each kid's different, okay? So that's why it's two and three. Because at that age, they, they begin to struggle to get independence, physical independence. They don't want mom to hug on them. They don't want dad to come up and hold them. They want to be independent. And they begin to struggle. So when they do that, you know what happens to them? They begin to destroy things. You go next door and look at the nursery. Linda makes them clean up. But you go in there in the middle of, and you know what? There's stuff everywhere. They're, they're just little destroyers. There's chaos. Little boy one time was asked what his name was. He says, my name's No Johnny. Because <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing at 2 and 3? No, 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 you know. I, I, no Johnny, that, that's what you're doing. Then all of a sudden they mellow out, and they they're pretty cool for a few years until that till the second stage, and that's the teenage years. But don't roll your eyes. You, I, I did. I was like, oh yeah yeah. But then I remember when I was their age and what I did to my parents. Oh my goodness. And in the teenage years, that's now it's not just the physical independence. Now it's the emotional independence, because they want to be treated as a what? As an adult. They're moving that way. So what begins to happen? Now they're really trying your patience. Now you really want to, you know, squeeze the life out of them, figuratively, not literally. But why? Because what are they doing? They're growing and they're moving. In verse 1, children obey. How do you get them to do that? Honor your father and mother. How do you get them to do that? Well, you're in a war. Always remember that. And the first area of the battlefield is that you need to remember that your child is a sinner. Come over to Romans 5. I only have a few verses this morning. That's why I didn't do an overhead or a handout. Romans 5. You need to remember that your child came into this world a sinner. Romans 5 verse number 12 wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. All, by the way you were you were a sinner before your child was you first. But when you deal with that little dude and your and you're terrible threes and you know you go into the playroom and their bedroom we didn't have a playroom they had bedrooms and you say clean up your bedroom you know and then they do it and or they we did it and it's all underneath the bed. You've been there? I, uh, yeah. We were in there, underneath the bed, you know. I, or d- to draw a line in the room, you know. One's on one side, one's on the other. And then you push it all on the other side. I, we've done that. I've done that, you know. Telling on myself. But what is that kid? What is that child? It's a sinner. You need to recognize that. You need to understand that. You need to understand that when you struggle, when that kid struggles to obey, because they're a sinner, so obedience is what? Natural or unnatural? Unnatural. The natural bent of that child is what? Me. If you don't like it, I'll just go to grandma's. Take me to grandma's house. She'll let me do whatever I want to do, because she's grandma, right? Hey, that's what the, that kid knows that over here. Just go to grandma's house. She'll feed me that. And you're sitting there going, no, I don't want you to have that. So now you're over here, mom, dad, I don't want you to have that. Respect to, you know. Now you've got this whole struggle going on. And you know what started it? That little stinking sinner that's sitting in the high chair. The problems today in society around is the fact that most parenting has ignored this very fact that they're sinners. When you look around the world, us today, and, you know, you look at our culture, they have no... By the way, that's the second area of war is the culture. But they have no, you're, they have no idea when you say that that's a sinner. Oh, look at those lovely-looking little sinners. Aren't they so cute? And they go, what in the world? No, that's, that's my kid's kid, dude. I'm like, yeah, they're sinners, and they're going to get you. No, you know, they have no clue. Your child's problem is that they're kin to their daddy. That's their problem. You know what your problem is? You're kin to your daddy. That's the problem. They're born with this issue of being a sinner. So you need to recognize it. You need to understand it. You need to understand that your child will naturally gravitate toward trouble, toward disobedience. You don't have to teach your child disobedience. They go right to it. They came into the world that way. When they're demanding, when they're selfish, when they're impulsive, when they're act, they're doing it by nature. You recognize that? You know it. you never ask your child? Why? Why did you do that? You know why they did it. They're a sinner. That kid doesn't know why they did it. So what are you going to do? You're going to teach your child, why did you disobey mom? Why are you now getting a spanking? Why are you now in trouble? First word is because what? You're a sinner. (laughs) You follow that? You see, you ask your child why, they look up and go, because it's fun. You know, they have no clue why. You have to train them. You have to teach them. So the first component in the war that you're in is with their issue of them being a sinner. The second one, come over to Galatians 1. The second one is with the culture around us. Because when you think about the world around us, the world does not support your child to be raised godly. You know what the world wants? They want it to be part of the world. They want Galatians 1. Verse 4, they want you to think like the world thinks about this. Galatians 1, verse 4, who who gave, who, the Lord Jesus Christ, gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world. By the way, P-E-W, pew. You're sitting in a pew. (laughs) You heard about the skunk. He went to church and sat in his own pew. (laughs) Okay. Oh, okay. All right according to the will of God and our Father. God's will is for you and your family to be delivered from this present evil world. Do you know what the present evil world does? the opposite of what God wants done. So we have to fight for our children in this world, in this culture. Because if you're not, come over to Romans 12, if you're not... Doing what the world wants done, what does the world do? Lately, it's called cancel you. They make you illegitimate. They, they call you names. They make you all this stuff. And you're sitting there going, dude, I'm just trying to raise my kids. I'm not trying to do anything. I'm not trying to change anything. I'm take, trying to take a savage, a sinner, and civilize him to becoming a productive member in society. That's what I'm trying to do. But I'm going to do it God's way. Romans 12, look at verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Conformity, that's what the world wants. What does God want you to be? He wants you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He wants something better for you. So as parents, when you look at your children, you've got to know something. One, they're sinners. And two, you're in a battle with that sinner. And you're a battle against culture society around us I don't know how many of you do don't raise your hand I don't want to get anybody in trouble but when you when you corporal punishment spanking you say that and everybody the world goes what child abuse somebody just say. but what does that child need sometimes it needs that physical discipline now you 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 apply the discipline to the part that god made on the body to be applied to the rear end and you let it leave it there but the thing is is sometimes your kids need that and parents we're in a fight for our children and for a godly home and we're fighting for we're fighting their nature and we're fighting the world system grandparents guess what you're in the same boat when that little dude comes over you're in the same boat that's why i'm We're talking to everybody, local assembly. Single parents, you're in the same boat, got the fight going. That's what happens. You need to understand, come back there to Ephesians 6, that sometimes we lose and sometimes we win. You can lose the fight, you can lose the battle. You can look at that kid as they grow up and they get older and they make decisions, and you go, oh, just breaks my heart. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to go over there and try to give them counsel. And what do they say? Hit the road, Jack. You did just, you were just, you know, whatever. And they regurgitate their life all over you. And you're sitting there going, yeah. Yeah. But it breaks your heart, doesn't it? Yeah. You need to recognize that. It starts, verse 1, children obey your parents. Obedience has to be taught. Their nature and the culture around them isn't going to teach them obedience. It used to be in school you could have some, but you don't even have that anymore. They have to be taught. They have to be trained. Not talk to them. You know? The first time I ever heard of time out... I did the same thing. I chuckled. You know why? Because I'm sitting there going, if I did time out, what would I be doing? Yeah. Go to your room. No, I'm not. nothing to get. I'm just thinking about how I would think about it. Go to your room. Well, what's in your room? (laughs) Yeah. One time, I I tell on me, I messed up. I said a word I was never supposed to say, and my mom got me. And uh, she was... To be tied and uh, just read I mean she was livid with me. Usually that means we got disciplined right there, but she sent me to my room to wait for my dad. I was 13 years old. You go to your now this is like 10 o'clock in the morning. Dad didn't get off till three. Go to your room. I'm like, okay. And then she says, and I better not hear that radio. And I, you know, she's listen, right? So what do I do? I got a stereo, I put the headphones in. Ooh, wrong thing to do. She come in, unplugged the headphone. The headphones went out the window. And I'm in second story. So she, ooh, I told you. Why. I said, but you didn't say. And I got smart, and guess what happened? Ooh is right. Dad comes home. 3.30, he is late. I'm like, dog, oh, all right. Because I know what's coming. I know it's going to be bad. So he comes in, and he sits down with me. And he says, your mom wants me and I said I know and he said but I'm not going to do that with you I'm like you're not he goes no but we're going to talk and for about an hour we had a conversation of what it was to use foul language and what it demonstrated and what it meant and what it take what you're doing is taking someone and bringing them down into the gutter with you when you talk like that and we begin to have a conversation about godly language and talk and how you, language that's appropriate. And, it, and you know what happened? I learned that day about the use of swearing and bad words and so forth. My mom was not happy with my dad. Because what did she want? She wanted the plume. But you know what? I was of the age of what? that isn't going to work. Now we're going to train you. Now we want to teach you something. And if you don't train them and if you don't teach them, you know what you're going to do? You're going to lose the battle. It's going to be lost. Again, never ask your kid why. Why did you do that? They, are, you, they don't know. You know why they're a sinner. And you need to train them on why you did that. When we got in trouble at home growing up, because there's three boys, so boys will be boys, we, we used to take cardboard boxes and slide down the steps, the stairs. The problem was, was the stairs would go down an immediate right-hand bank. So you know what we did? Boom, 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 until we went through the wall. Guess what happened? We got in trouble because we destroyed property, and that was a bad one. You know, you know what the worst one was? You know what got us instant disciplined spankings? go into the street if we, went, if we went into the street mom or dad boom we were down we were across the knee spanked and done you know why because a child does not know the danger of the street they don't adult does you know my dad used to say why don't you guys go out and play in traffic would you No. Why? Because they'll getting trouble, <laughs> you know. Then we moved into the city in Chicago, and the only place you could play was in the street. So we had to learn new rules. But the thing is, is you know why? Because a child doesn't know. You have to train them. You have to teach them. Again, obedience doesn't come naturally to them. What are you going to have to do? You're going to have to train them. Show them what it looks like. And you know where the first place they'll see it is in the marriage of mom and dad, of their mom and dad. They'll see that. Because what are you trying... Children, obey your parents in the Lord for what? This is right. You're training them the issues of authority and the respect of that authority. That's why verse 2 and 3 says what it says. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise that it may be well with thee and thou mayest live long on the earth. Listen, listen, That first commandment with promise, Exodus 20, you go back there and you look at it. Why is that, the first commandment with promise? Because there's a social benefit. There's some social impact that comes when you learn to be submissive to authority. And I know today everybody's no authority, you can't tell me what to do, and blah, 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 blah. But God established culture to work under authority and with rules in place. And no, what is our world? Do, do we have any absolutes today in the culture about us? No. We have no moral code. You know what? You know that law, the writing of a law is a production of a moral code. I hope you understand that. When somebody says, oh, there's no morality or no moral code, yes, there is. It's called the law. What is Exodus 20 doing to Israel? Here's how you live. Thou shalt not. And boom, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. That's morality. That's that's legislative morality. You see, it can be legislated. The problem is, is what does the people involved do with it? They do what? Bow their back. Why? Because they've never learned obedience and the well with thee that it may be well with thee and thou mayest live long on the earth has to do with the issue of that impact positively in the society around you where you show respect to authority but where did you learn that? you don't learn it at school anymore you don't learn it out play. you you learn that at home in the family where you see mom and dad, the parents in, the, in the, 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 their marriage and, and in those roles that we spent seven weeks going down through and looking at. We, just, we didn't even get it all. It was just time to move on. You see, it's in the family where the children are going to learn from mom and from dad. And mom and dad, our priority is to civilize that savage to take that little sinner and civilize it so that it will be a productive member of society of the culture of the local church that's why next door when they go over there linda has rules and you know what linda don't care what your rules are there are her rules why Because she's the authority. say follow? Now, she will listen and do, but there's a reason for that. God is, folks, that's why we talked about those institutions so much here lately. It's because God has designed man to function and to live, no matter where you're at, wherever you are. (laughs) That's why you've heard me say the gospel of the grace of God can go into any culture, and into any society and purify it. Not change it, but purify it. Because when you put the life of Christ into a situation, what's it going to do? It's going to purify clean it up. It's going to come along, and here's how the life of Christ lives in that culture. That's why when you move and you look at different cultures, and you, I mean, the... We all eat their food. We like their food. (laughs) But when you begin to look at how things operate, what's going on there, that's how the life of Christ would work there. Come back with me to Deuteronomy 6. So when Paul takes us back to Exodus 20 and brings in this how it ought to live with you, that that it may be well with thee and thou mayest live long on the earth, he's not putting us back under the Ten Commandments. He's rather saying, look, this is how God had always wanted life to work and life to operate. It works this way. It operates this way. It doesn't operate any other way. Its design is this way. And when the world out there goes a different direction, you know what you do? We're going that way. (laughs) We're doing what we're supposed to be doing. Notice Deuteronomy 6. Again, this is instruction for Israel, the, the, that new generation that's going in. Verse number 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord of our, our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And the words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Now watch. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them with when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand and they shall be on the, as frontlets between thine eyes and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates and it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which ye swear unto thy, your, th- thy fathers to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give thee Great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and off you go. Notice what the parents are doing with the children. Notice that. Notice it carefully. What's the parent doing? Verse verse 6. Moses says, these words I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. First the word started where? With mom and dad. See that? Then mom and dad turn around and where do they go? the children. And what do they do to the children? Teach the same thing. As parents, our top priority is to be involved with our children. If you do verse 6, 7, and 8, you know what that takes? Time to do, doesn't it? It takes time in order to, you have to spend time with them. You have to get down with them and sit there. And, and, and by the way, this is not just dinner time. He doesn't say just when you sit down. He says when you're in the house, when you're out for a walk, when you're down over here. He's not talking about going to the ball game. He's talking about spending time with them, being involved in their life. What's going on in their lives, that's what's you, where you're at. He's talking about taking God's Word and putting it in front of them, keeping it there. But I'll tell you what, Mom and Dad, it's got to be in you first. It's got to be here first. And then take them. Teach them about what God's Word says and how God thinks about things. You sit there, again, it's not just going to the ball game with them and having a good time. It's not going camping. I know Memorial Day weekend, everybody go camping. I even broke the tent out the other day. Linda goes, what are you doing with that thing? And I said, I was just loving on it. I don't know. And she's like, I have got a broken arm. I said, I know, but it's okay. I can do She's like, no, we don't go on we- on holiday weekends. You know that. I said, I know. I was just thinking about August and Marla and Jerry's place. And, you know, she's like, well, okay, maybe. And I'm like, whew, I got a maybe. <laughs> We're on the way, right? But see, the thing is, is that, that he's not talking about just that. He's talking about every day in their life. Come over with me to Proverbs 22, a verse that, as soon as you read this, 22.6, you're going to go, I know that verse, 22.6. You see, what are we to do when Paul says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, in the Lord, mom and dad, you better be in the Lord, for this is Right? Honor thy father and mother is the first commandment with promise. A promise of what? That, That life will be well with thee and you'll be okay. By the way, in Deuteronomy, if you keep reading that passage in Deuteronomy, he's talking about Moses is instructing the parents about the children as they're going into the land. And if you want the land experience to be stable and to be godly, your kids better be stable and godly. You know what, Paul? Same thing. You want your culture, you want your local church culture to be stable and godly? Then who's got to be that way? Your kids better be that way. That's why when you read the qualifications for the bishop, he doesn't do this for the deacons, but for the bishop, he talks about family life, whether they're little children in Timothy or they're grown children in Titus. It's interesting why. Because there's where the savages are. And how did he handle the savages? What did he do with them? Look at Proverbs 22. Look at verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Woohoo! Yay! That is a, one of the most used, used verses in, about parenting. But it's also one of the most abused verses. It's also one of the most misunderstood verses that gets used in parenting. And usually what happens is, is the child goes and makes a decision and falls apart. And you sit there and you say, I trained that kid not to do that. I did my job. I told him what to do and what not to do. Yet they still messed up. I trained up a child in the way he should go and it fell apart. That's usually what happens with people. The problem is, is you don't understand what that verse just said to you. You made that verse say something that verse doesn't say. Train up a child in the way you should go. That's what I just described to you and how most people are. I did this to him. I trained him. I put, I put the, we got house rules and we got a house rule. But that's not what that verse said, is it? It says, train up a child in the way he should go. It's talking about you, mom and dad, knowing your children. He's talking about you knowing, you understanding them so well that you know which way he's going to go. You follow that? My three kids, the twins. Danielle's the oldest by 11 minutes. Ricky can't comes, comes into the world talking. Danielle's quiet, silence. We were worried that she could even talk for a while. We're like, talk, kid. Two different personalities. Instantly, the moment of birth. Emily comes into the world. She spent the first 10 minutes of her life crying. But stretching, she stretched every finger, every toe, every, she just stretched. It's the greatest thing I've ever seen. I mean, just sit there and go, wow. She, different, Three different personalities. So when I deal with Danielle, by the way, hardest thing I ever had to do because he's a girl. Oh, man, do girls wrench on dad's heart when it's discipline time? So I go, Ricky, get on, let's go. Danielle, oh, come here, honey, you have got to, you know, oh. But the discipline for Danielle would never work with Ricky. The discipline for Danielle never worked on Emily. Why? Different. So what do I have to know? I have to know them. I have to understand them. I have to get in there and say, this is how you think about these things. So guess what I'm going to have to do? Here's the goal. The goal is godly. Living, godly function. i got to get you from there to there. And dads, your first job as a parent is to understand your children so well, so fully, that you're able to train them in who they are. This is your personality. To get you to here, we're going to have to go to there. Here's your personality to get to there. We just go, different. You're going to do that so they can win the battle. Because one day they're going to get married. One day they may have kids. And guess what they're going to need to know how to do? Win the battle. That's what Proverbs 22, verse 6 is really all about. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. There's the honor, thy mother and thy father. Guess what you don't do? You don't depart from it. Doesn't mean you don't sway here, or go over here. You don't what? Leave. Eventually you end back. Now come back to 6.2. Ephesians 6.2. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 2. Children, honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Notice it says, father and mother. Parents. Children, obey your parents. This is a team effort. By the way, it doesn't take a village. Do you know a village is too many people? A village, kids get lost in who they really belong to. It has nothing to do with about a village. That village mentality is to take away mom and dad's parental rights. Don't let them do that. It takes a team. It's a team effort. it's a team together so you know what that means mom and dad you better have had some conversations about having kids what are you going to do when you have them don't do it after you have them you know why it's too late because what are you doing you're changing diapers you're running food you're this production line now you know man when Ricky and Danielle were were born twins we knew they were coming so we're stocking in and it literally was just a production line so much so I don't even remember some of it you know I look at pictures and I go, did we do that? She goes, yeah, you were there, see? I go, I'm glad you got a picture because I don't remember. And then we'll do that. And, you know, for the first seven or eight years of our marriage, we never celebrated a wedding anniversary. We couldn't remember when it was. We just knew it was the end of November. <laughs> so at Thanksgiving, which is it's at Thanksgiving time, we'd go, hey, who are you? you know, Who are you? Why? Because you get busy with life. It's too late to discuss it then. You discuss it now before. Hey, how are we going to raise these kids? How are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? Because in your child's life, the most influential thing in their life is the marriage of mom and dad. That's what's most critical. In my experience, children long to be disciplined. They want it. They long to want to obey mom and dad. And that comes from where they're going to learn that is from mom and dad's marriage. They see it. They see that respect for authority. And that's what Paul's getting at. You want to have a godly generation? It's going to start here in the marriage and it's going to work down into the family. And it takes a team effort. Now, in today's culture, 50% 50% of the children are raised in single-parent homes, according to the stats. That's not ideal, is it? But it's reality. If you're a single parent, the whole burden of the team effort falls on you. And yet, you know what it does? It makes you the most important individual in, that, in your child's life. It really does. It's a struggle, That's why there's a couple things in this. First of all, you need to sit with your children or your child and discuss why you're a single parent so that that child does not think it's their fault. You follow that? Things happen. Life happens. Why did it happen? Because that child is looking for Self-esteem and self-identity. And instantly they think about what? If I hadn't done this, then mommy and daddy would have been together. That ain't their problem. That's not their fault. But you have to be honest with them and address that. The second issue is you need to be a godly role model to them. The whole burden's on you. You can't say, I don't want you to go out and do this and this, when you're doing what? Going out doing the same thing. Doesn't work. What's that child gonna do? He ain't gonna obey you. They are not gonna. They're gonna bow their back and say, "Yeah, you first, you hypocrite." So you need. You need to think about those two things. The last one is the big one. Well, they're all big. And that's you have to have a support system. You have grandparents. If you have children, you have the local assembly. You know, within the local assembly, the older ladies are to teach and train the younger ladies. You have a support system built in right here. It's amazing. Older ladies that are willing to do it and younger ladies that need to do what? Be willing to be taught. And the reason for that is because there's a parent missing. Again, it's not ideal, but it's a reality for some. And that's the struggle in this. By the way, in, in 6.1, there, children obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and the mother, which is the first commandment, with promise that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. That's the ideal. But we have to work in reality. And you know what God's grace says? Work in the reality. Here it is. Here's what you need to do. You need to be in the Lord. You need to have a game plan. You need to have a road map on how to train this kid up, children up. How are we going to do that? By the way, verse 4, 6-4, And ye fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. There's our roadmap. We'll get that next time, okay? Maybe you say, yeah, but, you know, by the way, obey your parents in the Lord. Parents in the Lord as well. As we're raising our children, it's possible to raise your child in a godly way. It's possible to be successful. And you may sit here and go, yeah, but my guys are gone and raised; They've got their own family. I'm grandparents. Okay, draw a line in the sand and start today where you're at. It doesn't say you, you can't go back and fix, but you sure can draw the line in the sand and say, okay, here's day one. Let's go. Memorial Day weekend. We've been here 10 years in this building this weekend. Let's go forward. Let's draw the sand. Let's, as a parent, when my guys got on their own and I released them to their adulthood, I sit there. You know what that was? That was a line in the sand. Okay, moving forward, I have to deal with them this way now. You do the same thing. You don't have to go back. You can't go back and fix the past, but you sure enough can say, you know what? Moving forward, we're going to do this. As grandparents, you have the greatest influence. Parents, use your grandparents. Use your parents. Why? Because they raised you. They know what's going on. Usually, I don't. Know, sometimes I don't. Know. Sometimes I don't think anybody knows what's going on. Put that line there. Say, okay, moving forward, we're going to do this. Understand the roadmap. It's coming. Verse four. We'll get there next time. Parenting is a war. It's a brutal battle, heartbreaking battle. But you know what? As he grows old, what's sitting there? We looked at that verse, the children's children. The reward for a grandparent is those grandkids, and that's because he didn't kill his kids. (laughs) Dad says that all the time. I'm getting there. I don't know yet. We'll see if he's right or not. That's the thing. That's what needs to happen. You know what a spirit-filled life in your family is going to look like? Your children ain't going to be perfect. Nowhere does he say kids are perfect. But you as a team, mom and dad, parenting, come together and say we're, gonna produ- we, we're working towards producing a godly generation. That's what we're after. And when you do that, when you let the word of God grip your heart in this area and say let's do that, then when we get down into the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, you know what, that, That's easy. That's just putting the right message in front of them and keeping God's grace the issue. Okay? All right. Dearly, Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to study it together. And, Lord, I just pray that it will be instructive to our hearts so that your grace can be lived out in our lives to your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. All right.